Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. From the book of Luke, the 10th chapter, and beginning with the 23rd verse. Speaking of Jesus, then turning to his disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered right. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Lord, help us to understand what we have just now read from thy holy word. How readest thou? A few years ago, when I had the opportunity to be the chairman of the Board of Trustees of the Louisville Conference, one day I received a strange telephone call from a layman down in the lower part of our state, and he told me that years ago, when they had abandoned a small church and put two of them together, that the conference years before had sold that property. Best I remember, perhaps an acre or so of it. And the people who bought it years later, someone had come in and had opened a mine, coal mine. Uh, the old church building was sitting on a big pile of coal. Well, this layman says, now that coal belongs to the conference. And I could hardly believe what I was hearing from this man. But I got in touch with our lawyer, our legal people and person. And so he made a trip or a call down there to search out the old deeds and the way the property was sold. And after he had read it carefully, he called me and he said, that's right. He said, when the conference sold that property long ago, those who were in position to be the trustees, the layman and the old preacher of the church, had reserved the mineral rights. They had just sold the property with the reservation of mineral rights belonging to the conference. And that's the way it read. And so the church winds up with, the, with an open a pit coal mine on its hand. Well, they disposed of it and turned it into cash. But it was interesting to read uh, what had been done in years gone by. Folk, I come to the same type of feeling of the unbelief when I look at this scripture that I read to you this morning, but know that it is real, and know that it's something that has not uh, happened back there long ago, which it did, and that's the end of it, but something that's very much that you and I are involved in today. 
Now I'd like to make an observation about this man and this situation the Lord Jesus Christ finds himself in this morning. I have a feeling in the first place that I know this man. And I know that he lives with us today. I see this man as being one who has been to school. I see one that is well dressed. He has a nice home. He belongs to all the social clubs that he should belong to. Uh, being in the society that he is in. Uh, he has a nice family. He has a lovely wife. Uh, the person that you could go out here and pick off of the street today. And he is very much alive. I see him as a man that is a respectable person. He's a guy that belongs to the church. Of course he does because he is not that dumb to not belong. He knows here's the best place and the right place to be to meet the best type of people and to be part of the kingdom of God. And here this man is now, well educated, well fed, well dressed, and a perfect picture of success within our society. Now I'd like to make a statement about that observation. I see this man as a very proud person. I see this man as a person that uh, is wise enough uh, to be asking the right questions. You know, sometimes we're dealing with one another and with problems we have. We never get around to really to asking the right question. But dear friends, I want you to know this morning, when you look at this man and see him, you see that he is smart enough to really to ask the right question about life. Now, the tragedy of it is that it was superficial, you see. The tragedy is it can be found in this type of a situation because it's a strange question coming from a man that was steeped in the law. Now, you've got to understand that this was a man that knew the church law because that's all the law that they had, the temple law. As all they had is the Jewish law, and that was God's law. And so, you see, this man, well, it would be as if one of you who had belonged to the Methodist church for 20 years to stand up in the service, and ask what must one do to belong to the Methodist church. Well, you know what one should do if you belong to church for 20 years. You know what the church expects of you. You know what commitment and dedication that you have made to the church. Now, this is precisely what the Lord Jesus Christ was dealing with in relation to this man, you see. He gets up and asks a question that he knew the answer to it full well before he even asked the question. You have to guess why this man Ask the question. The scripture says it says it is to test Christ, but I am not quite sure what that completely and totally means. I do not know whether it means that this man was wise enough and he wanted to see whether or not the Lord Jesus Christ knew what he was talking about. But I have to put that one aside because there's something greater about this than what really meets the eye. And it only comes out when Jesus makes the response to this guy as he made to him. And you begin to see something of the awesome truth then about the situation. Because you see now, he could ask another person that same question. And it may have some merit to it. But you see, Jesus was able to see this man for what he really was. Here's a man that had the knowledge of the law. Completely and totally. But there was a difference between having knowledge of the law and putting it into operation. Now, folks, there's where you and I are today. And you see, I invite my own soul to listen to what's being said. Because there's a great difference between knowing what is right and wrong and doing right, you see. There's a great difference between knowing what you ought to do and what you ought to be and doing. Now, too much within our society today, we settle for just the knowledge of knowing it. 
We think that is comfortable with doing it. Well, it's not, you see. And here is where the Lord Jesus Christ was able to reveal the nakedness of this man, you see. Jesus was able to put his finger to the right place and he, when he said to him, he didn't compliment him on the knowledge that he had, you see. He could have, because he was wise. But he said, this do. Now, if the Lord Jesus Christ hadn't said that, perhaps the man would have gotten by uh, with the rest thinking that he was something uh, when he was nothing. But you ponder this awesome fact, beloved. It's not enough to know it. What we know, we must put in to operation. I wonder, as I think about the situation, and this man finally trying to even to justify himself more. You see, he knew. You see, Jesus hit him at the right place. Well, one day I was watching two young brothers. They were playing. And one of them had what we call a gumbo shooter. It was a piece of wood, pork and stick, and had rubber bands on it. And you could shoot marbles or small pebbles in it. Sort of a dangerous thing to have. Well, anyway... They were playing together and this one little brother took that thing and hit his little brother over the head with it just as hard as he could. You know. And the father standing close by and the little brother began to yell and cry and said, what in the world did you do that for? And he said, because he was standing on my sore toe. <laughs> well, Jesus stood on this man's sore toe. He knew exactly what to say to him to show him up for what he was. And this is why the man responded the way that he did. He sort of tried to hit Jesus in, in a fashion, you see. Because then he said, in order to justify himself even further, he said to Jesus, now who is my neighbor? Well, he knew perfectly well. If you read the rest of that chapter, it's about the Good Samaritan. But you remember, Jesus really never answered his question. He just told him what a good neighbor would do if he were a good neighbor. A man who is steeped in the law and knows what he's supposed to do and knows his responsibility and his commitment to God. This is what he would do if he really loved God. Now, how do you read? How do you read? Well, if I had to answer that, some of us would say, well, I'll tell you the honest to God truth. I don't read the Bible. I really don't have time. You mean by that that uh, the Bible is not important? Oh, yes, it's important. It is so important that every one of us that has a household, we have either one or two Bibles around somewhere, someplace. You think you don't need to read the Bible? Yes, I do. I need to read the Bible, but somehow or another, we just never get around to reading the Bible. You see, dear friends, even to have a Bible within your home or have access to it, Men long ago and women fought and died in order that you and I may have the privilege that you and I have today. You know, in times gone by, they only had one Bible and they had to chain it to the pulpit. It literally chain it and lock it to the pulpit. Because people were so in need of the Word of God and so hungry for it that they would take the Bible from the pulpit to read it. And so we think it's important. But we come to the place this day within our thinking. And we are sort of like this scribe. We have a knowledge of it, but somehow or another we never get around to putting it into operation. And that part of God's word that we do read, when we finish with it, we rationalize the most of it away. We can think of situations that doesn't apply to me. It applies to someone else, it applies to my neighbor, it applies to the one sitting next to me. 
Uh, this is something that they should have, uh, but uh, it really doesn't apply to me in my situation. We've got today, within the most of us, we have the most beautiful rationalizer that you've ever seen. Now, part of it is beautiful, but come to the place uh, where we excuse ourselves and exempt ourselves from our responsibility and our commitment to the church and to God. We run into some very uh, serious problems. If you want to see how well we work at this, those of you who have been under doctor's care, as most of us have through the years, sometime or another, and we get filled up with a whole bunch of medicine that we're supposed to take. And we're supposed to take it for a length of time, two weeks, a month. But we come home and we look at the situation and we rationalize the situation that really doesn't apply to me. And so we stop taking our medication. Now, if you don't believe that, you go home and open your medicine cabinet and see how many half bottles full of medicine you have at home. You know, fall out if you're not careful. We rationalize the Word of God away. It's good for everybody else, but when it comes to me, it's a little bit a different situation. Does the Word of God really mean to us what it ought to mean to us? And we can never take it very serious. Oh, how serious do we take the Word of God? You see, we say the right things about the Word of God. We show an interest in it as this man did of long ago, but somehow, some way, we come to the place where we can never take it seriously as we ought to. I think about that story that I read some time ago. I lose track of time, perhaps three or four, maybe five years ago. I read about the man in England. That was a humorist. He was one of the greats over there, seemingly, and he was entertaining a group of people in this uh, theater. And he just had them rolling in the aisles, the account said, and people were just laughing and hadn't laughed for a long time. They were just having a good time. But where he was standing on the stage, he could look back and see in one of the rooms that their fire had broken out. And he tried to tell the people, clear the building, the building is on fire. And they thought that he was still trying to make a joke. And you remember that article if I remember correctly, said that several people lost their lives simply because they just could not believe this man and take him serious. Now, dear friends, the world is on fire today. As never before in my lifetime, everywhere, every place, there seems to be something that has taken place that calls for the fulfillment of the scriptures before our very eyes today. And somehow, some way, we who belong to the household of faith not seemingly are able to take it as serious as we ought to take it. We don't take it serious in our commitment and our dedication to him. We don't take it serious in relation to our commitment and dedication of stewardship to him. I read an article not too long ago, and it says that we spend somewhere in the neighborhood of $2 billion uh, for games and related games as that. We spend somewhere in the neighborhood from 5 to $6 billion in relation to things that are pertaining to water sports, skiing and boating, boats and motors and so forth and so on. We spend somewhere around $15 billion for liquor, $8 billion for tobacco of some sort, $168 million in the entire world for the work of the Lord. And someone figured that out and per capita us about four cents a week. We who name the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somehow, some way, we never quite come to the place where 
we can take seriously what God is telling us. And I discovered, to my amazement, how seriously the Lord Jesus Christ was taking what he was saying to this man of long ago and to his disciples. When he said it to them, do you know where the Lord Jesus Christ is headed? He was already on the road that was leading to Jerusalem. And he was already, at that time, he knew full well that when he got to Jerusalem, that he was going to be crucified. And that's how seriously the Lord Jesus Christ was taking his commitment uh, to his heavenly Father. I would say that if Jesus had said, to, as he did say to his disciples long ago, that you have been privileged to see and to hear things uh, that prophets and kings of long ago searched for and was never able to hear or to see. If he could say it to that crowd of long ago, how much more perfectly can that be said to you and to me today? What more does God need to do for you and me than he's already done? If you and I in this situation that we are called in today, if we can't see something of the goodness and the greatness of God, my friend, what hope is there for the people of this world, the rest of the people of this world? What God has given to us and what an opportunity and what a privilege. The tragedy of this man is also to be found in the fact that somehow, some way, he never got around to fulfilling his life as God intended for him to fulfill. There was some shortcoming in this man that he was never able to overcome. He would not pay the price for it. He would not step out for it. And so the best that he could do is stand up within a meeting and try to show himself to be something that he was really not. And all of his education and all of his wisdom and all of the knowledge that, that he had of the law comes down to hinge upon the premise of whether or not you're doing what God has called you to do. Now, folks, isn't that interesting? And I want to tell you, it seems that this was long ago, but the same premise and foundation on which this man was found one is one in the same place if we're found one, if we're you and I are going to stand or fall. Acting upon the wisdom and the understanding that God has given to you today. How do you read? Well, there's some people within our society, of course, a great host of them. And thank God for them that uh, take this very serious. Take this very serious. And I would hope it be true for each one of us this morning that we would take our relationship with God and his call to us and our commitment to him very seriously. I'm thinking of two families that have made a profound impression upon me, among others. I happened to be in the community this past week and thought of this family. I remember this family because we were building a church, and after we had built the church, we found that we did not have enough money to put a rug on the floor. And so the Members of the church got together, the board, those who were in charge, and they decided somehow or another we can't have this beautiful church without having a rug on the floor. And so they decided to make another sacrifice, and it did come as a sacrifice, to put the rug on the floor. I remember this little family, four sons. The last son was leaving home. And now it comes to the place where 
the husband and father looked at the condition of the furniture and having four boys within the, in the house, they had just beat it up something fierce, seemingly, and tooth marks all over the place and, and all the other things that go along with that. And so he said, we're going to buy new furniture. And the little lady of the house said, no, there will not be any new furniture in this hall until the rug in the church is paid for. Some take it serious, very serious. And that's the way it happens. I'm thinking of another young man, perhaps some 33 years of age, married to a lovely lady, a lovely home. He was a civil engineer, had a position with the state. In church one Sunday morning, he heard Ed Tullis, because he belonged to that Methodist church at Frankfurt. Ed Tullis is now bishop. But he heard Ed Tullis talk about the mission program of the church. At that time, how desperately they needed people with the knowledge and the understanding to be able to go into one part of Africa forgotten exactly where. In order to give assistance to building a hospital or two and also drilling wells for pure water. And at that moment, the Lord spoke to that young man and his wife. And they sold their home. And he quit his job with the state and volunteered to go to Africa and to work there as long as his expertise was needed in order that these things might be accomplished for those people and for the kingdom of God. And that's precisely what he did. And I had the privilege of meeting and talking with that young man for about a week in a meeting. And what an inspiration he was to my heart and to my soul. Now, folk, if we want people to be in a position to appreciate the church and appreciate the kingdom of God, you and I somehow, some way, have got to come to the place where we take serious the commission, the privilege that God has given to us and begin to fulfill our responsibilities right here, right now. And when we do, the kingdom of God here upon the service will be a meaningful experience not only for us, but will come again to be the thing to be a part of by those who stand and only watch today. How reason thou, O oh, our Father, help us to read and help us to believe, for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.